1: Right now on Fast, a major Friday fade as markets sell off into the close. A strong jobs report fueling fears the Fed will have to keep its foot on the rate-hiking pedal. Tech taking the brunt of the slide. semis, Fang, FinTech all getting crushed today. We'll debate all that. Plus, earnings season kicks off next week from banks to airlines to healthcare. We'll ask the traders what's the one name they're watching ahead of the reports. And later, our chart of the week, this one's got us in a disco 70s kind of mood. it. It hasn't pumped these kinds of profits in five days of trading since Fredo. Mo Green and Michael Corleone were making their bones in the business. (laughs) I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq Market Site on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Courtney Garcia, and Steve Brasso. We start off with a sharp sell-off on Wall Street. The S&P dropping nearly 3%, the Dow down as many as 784 points at its lows. The Nasdaq coming within 0.3% of going negative for the week. The sell-off coming after a better-than-expected jobs report solidified fears of a more aggressive Fed. Treasury yields rising in reaction with the two-year yield approaching highs not seen since 2007. As we get ready for the kickoff of earnings season next week, another reason for concern, FedEx reportedly expecting lower volumes in its ground division this holiday quarter as customers ship fewer packages. So as we stand on the edge of earnings season, should we expect more headwinds ahead? Not too bad action though in FedEx when you think about it, right? Down half a percent. Half a percent (laughs) is that that's a great day. They're
2: celebrating in Tennessee, I think. I mean, I think this was telegraphed, I don't know, if Mm -hmm. it was ten days ago or whenever when uh, Raj, the CEO, was on with with Kramer and was talking about worldwide recession, right? So I, I think that this was sort of already priced in. One thing interesting about FedEx, in the wake of their terrible news, the stock could have been much worse, it makes you wonder are activists out there accumulating stock?
1: Uh, Why, I was going to be, I was be mm-hmm. even more optimistic about the oh. whole thing. And you know that that is not my disposition, but <laughs> I am trying hard these days. And that is, you always make the point, Karen, that you think that this is the kind of earnings season where there's going to be bad news mm-hmm. and stocks will go down and stocks will go down again and again on the same news. And when I heard the FedEx warning, I thought, oh, is FedEx going to go down again on the same sort of news because it was sort of telegraphed? Uh-huh. And it didn't. So uh-huh. isn't that positive?
3: Courtney. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we did already know that. And I think it's very similar to what happened with AMD. I think that was also news that we've heard about that we are seeing a slowdown with PCs, And again, it's going down on the same news. I think the bigger story, today, though, is the fact that we got this really positive jobs report, which positive jobs report means that the Fed is likely going to continue with their rate hikes. So I think that's likely what's going to continue to drive the economy because what they really need to see is a slowdown in the unemployment rate to slow down in the labor market. And until we see that, I think you're going to continue to see these up and down volatile periods here. But it is going to lead to some opportunities here. So I think it's important to make sure that you are positioning yourself as a longer term investor in finding those opportunities where they lay.
4: Look, I, I thought the price action today in the market was terrible because this job's number was not that bad. This, it was almost on the screws. Yes, I realized that the headline around in, in the unemployment rate at three and a half, which brings you back to multi-decade lows. I get it. Uh, and we talked on the show just two days ago. What, what if we just get to 5% unemployment? But, but these numbers numbers weren't that bad. The underperformance of the market is very telling. When you see
2: saying not that bad, not that good. Right. Right. Well, uh, right. So the the numbers (laughs) were not
4: that strong. So as to feel that the Fed was any different by the end of today than they were before they started. In fact, hourly earnings were flat. They were sideways. And and if anything, I think we've seen a little bit of a peak on the most difficult part of the labor numbers. But but when you look at where the markets are, we're having we're having a dogfight at those June lows right here. And and if you look at it, this was a day where I, I think you set the stage to trade lower on Monday based upon where we are. I don't think the earnings that we have next week are going to save us, first of all. I think we're going to talk about some specific names. And I think, as Karen pointed out, the FedEx numbers very much in the price. In fact, if I look at some of the broader transports here, I actually kind of like the rails. And I look at them trading at a much bigger discount to the, the S&P than they did at, even during the, the great financial crisis. So I think there are some opportunities out there. But I think equities told you the story. They're going lower. And, and, and the fact that some people are holding out a hope of, of 50 basis points on the Fed in November – we're going 75. The, the best news is, is that right now, terminal rates and Fed fund futures, and even what the Fed has told us like six or seven times in the last two weeks, is, is that I think four to four and a half, and probably four and a half, and maybe to 4.75 is the peak on Fed funds rate. I mean, so people want to pivot? No, you're not going to get a pivot in terms of of, of the Fed cutting, but you know, when you get to that place where they're going to just have to hold the line, um, I think we're, we're closer to that than we think, and, and today's job number didn't do anything one way or the other, in my view, even though the markets responded poorly. I
1: mean, putting aside price action, because AMD and FedEx had very, very different reactions to what they had talked about in terms of what they are seeing in their businesses, Steve Graff said, it still reinforces this idea that so close to earnings season, there are companies that are still coming out saying things are not getting any better that there's no reason to hope that, <laughs> that you're going to have earnings season and, and, and there's going to be a surprise to the upside, maybe for some companies. But there is that fear. And, and the question is, have we de-risked enough in the markets in terms of, you know, how far we've come down in terms of the P.E. to account for that unknown downside?
5: Yeah, no, I, I don't think we've de-risked enough. I think, you know, Tim said it. The market tell is that the market wants to go lower. It should go lower. I keep coming back to crush Demand. I think the Fed, well we know the Fed wants to crush demand. He hasn't crushed demand yet. They haven't crushed demand yet. When we see these numbers, half of me says, wow, that's pretty impressive with everything that's going on, that we're looking down the barrel of a recession, that these numbers are that good. The other half says, why don't we all just wake up and say the market is prob- probably has to trade down 10 or 15% lower in the S&P to, quote-unquote, crush demand. I don't know what you could buy, to be honest with you, I, uh, other than to go to cash at, at this point or just on a relative basis. I well, let's, clar- let's clarify that, your that though, because I mean, if, if,
1: you're, if your time frame is, is six months, I can see how you might say, I don't know what to buy. If your time frame is five years, it changes the story, right?
5: Or does uh, it? I don't know. Yeah, it changes <laughs> Yeah, it does change the story dramatically, and, and I'm glad you, you you brought me back there. So uh, this this show could be a fast a, a fast trading episode, right? So it is called Fast Money. I think we're in the natural stage here. We're looking for earnings to start breaking down. We're looking for margins to compress, and then I'm looking for the midterm elections to spark the market into year end. So there's a lot that has to happen really, really quickly in the next month, and I think you're going to see that in rapid fire, you're going to see these companies come out with earnings that are uh, not impressive, and then you're going to see the market gear up if we have a change of leadership, because markets like gridlock, and then you're gonna see a rip-roaring rally going into, the, uh, going into year end. Then it's gonna take hold again, Melissa, so to your point, buy anything five years down the road, you're gonna look good, right now, blip higher, and then leveling out and you can see the market settle in. So I just wanna to touch on one thing
2: Tim said about um, this pivot that maybe helped the market this week. There was no evidence that the Fed had any intention. They we had, had a two day rally on parade, yes, them. right? They had everybody out as hawkish as they could yeah. be. And so we get to this point again, we're down on the same news while wow, the Fed's hawkish. And yet that was enough for a pretty big sell off today. Right. Yeah. There's and same news again.
4: Right. And, and look, the economy... From all measures I can see, is doing so much better than than people expected it to. Which means, if anything, I think it's going to react in the other way a lot faster. Yes. I don't think we've all seen anything from the Fed hikes here. Um, look at look at retail and consumer spending. It's it's really holding up. The strength in the labor markets is, is a surprise, and and that I think is catching some economists off guard. But it's not catching the market off guard. And I think if anything, that's that's really the dynamic here. I, I you know I look at this week and and I think people um, had a lot of geopolitics to digest. Oil came storming back. Um, I, you know, that's not a good sign for the markets either. And I think until rates, oil, and the dollar stop going higher, we, you know, we have, don't have problems for the market.
3: Yeah, and what I do think, too, is that this idea that we need to see a, a, a Lighter labor force, right, is going to help the markets in general, but certain parts of the markets are going to be affected differently. And I think if you took, take a look at the jobs numbers that just came out, you look underneath that, you saw things like healthcare and things like leisure cannot hire enough, whereas all of your layoffs are in things like Silicon Valley. And I think that does lead to the areas where you have your opportunities. There's a lot of places that are still strong and going to hold up better than some of your things like your larger tech firms. I know we talked about, and you look at the, data, the labor numbers, that's exactly what you're seeing. I think you want to extrapolate that out further.
1: All right. Start of earnings season just around the corner with the big banks kicking things off when they start reporting a week from today. So what are the top names our traders are watching for this quarter? Karen, I think yes. I know where you're going.
2: Yes. Okay. Here's what <laughs> J.P. Morgan. It's that, actually my biggest Bank position is Bank of America, but JP Morgan actually does report next week. They kick earnings off. We know there's going to be a very noisy quarter. We know that net interest income, net interest margin should improve dramatically. We know that the investment banking part of the business should be terrible, absolutely terrible, particularly year over year with the, you know, SPAC frenzy. So we know that is going to be terrible. But then the other parts are credit, right? How, are we, how is the consumer holding up? Are they seeing any loan losses, any tick of that, anything? That'll be interesting. Auto loans as well. Um, I still think it's early to see problems there. And then what's, we always want to hear Jamie's view on the economy, right? What is he seeing? That's important to me as well. The stock's obviously down a lot. Hasn't been at this level in terms of P.E. in a really long book time value. with the yield. And, um,
1: I mean, it's cheap. Well, it's interesting because we were talking about Macy's having uh, avoided the inventory problem because the data on their credit card showed weakness and softening early on in the year, and you have to wonder when when does that ha- when does that get seen in other places, uh-huh. right, in terms of the consumer. Maybe never, but it does seem to be, if it was big yeah. enough for Macy's right, to acknowledge. Right, you would think that would be broader. Right, it would be broader. Um, Courtney, what's uh, the one you're watching?
3: Yeah, Actually, what first came to mind was J.P. Morgan. Um, <laughs> they asked us that, but Karen, you made some really good points. I don't want to jump on that. But that, I think, easily, when you look at banks and earnings, they're a really good bellwether for how that is and have a really good sense of the consumer. But that's really what I'm looking for right now is which companies do give you a good idea of the health of the consumer right now. And we have, we're a few weeks away from this, but I, the other thing I want to look at is the retailers, which you just hit on Macy's, right? Because I think they have a good idea of they're that discretionary spending and are people still going out and doing that. And one name of particular would be Nordstrom. And why I think they're going to be important to watch is they are a big department store and they do have some of those higher income earners, but they also have their discount brand of the rack, which is going to be in competition with like your TJ Maxx. And they have a good online presence. So this isn't just, oh, are people going to department stores? They have a good idea of the retail sector in general. So I think they're going to be an interesting one to watch.
1: Steve Grasso.
5: Mm. That's it. OK, so what, what I, I'm name I'm looking are you We are, are within
1: what, the segment of what that's what we're doing, you're watching this. Yeah. Season. Usually,
5: usually you set it. Usually you set it up for me. So I so I get it. You already set it up. So financials <laughs> are what I'm looking at. Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo specifically. And Wells Fargo has been the underperformer. So it's a, definitely a different story than a J.P. Morgan. But I don't see any reason why these financials should give us anything. We went from a year-ago quarter talking about release of loan loss reserves. Now we're going to be talking about provisions for credit losses. One is a tailwind, one's a headwind. So when you look at all all the earnings, earnings are going to be down dramatically. Revenues, maybe they can squeeze out some positive revenues. But I, I want to hear what they're saying as to see where they think the economy is and where they think the consumers are. Tim
1: Seymour, yeah, I'm what go- name are you watching? I'm going to watch. Wall- <laughs> Hi, Mel. Yes, <laughs> I want fast money,
4: and I'm watching Walgreens next Thursday. And, and it's a much simpler story than the banks. They, they've outlined the complexity of what banks are facing here. Walgreens' issues are a pivot into healthcare, makes a lot of sense. There's major costs. Uh, they're being brought down by people like Rite Aid who had stockouts and things that I don't necessarily think have to happen to Walgreens. But look, I'm long the stock, and and it's been frustrating. Uh, the, the trailing PE on this is five and a half. This stock is way too cheap. Should be relatively defensive in this environment. Walgreens, to me, is a place I think you can get behind it here.
1: Coming up, we've got a stock uh, that has nearly had its best week since. A gallon of gas cost 42 cents. A dozen eggs were only 45 cents, and Guy Adami is playing Little League. It's a long time ago. The reveal straight ahead, but first, move over bears. There are some new bulls in town. Our chart masters here with the names making the shift to a more positive outlook. We got those trades next. You're watching Fast Money Live from the NASDAQ Market Site in Times Square. Welcome back to Fast Money, Marcus. Losing much of their early momentum in the back half of the week, but are there some opportunities in the sell-off? The Chart Master joins us with some names that seem to be setting up for a turnaround. Let's bring in Carter Worth of Worth Charting. And Carter, we always invoke your phrase "so bad it's good," and I think that's what you're focusing on today.
6: Um, in this instance, uh, a similar circumstance, they were so bad it's good, but these instances they've based. Uh, before we look at the charts, we have a table, and I think this will put it in context. These are three stocks, and you'll see their correlations are very high. Now look at that, just sort of marvel at that, if you will, to have a three-month performance of plus 20% across the board versus the S&P. Well, guess what else they have in common? They each lost 80% of their value from the peak. So these are the very worst performers, down 80% from their peak, that have all based and are now exhibiting certain characteristics that imply important relative strength. So let's look at the charts. Uh, they're virtually identical. The first is a comparative chart. You can't tell the difference between those three lines. And PINs has nothing to do with PayPal, which has nothing to do with Netflix. Now, let's look at a three-year comparative chart. It's a direct overlay again. There's the great run-up. There are those 70 to 80% collapses. And then we see their basing and bottoming. Quickly, let's go through the three charts individually. First, Pinterest. It has all the elements of a bearish, to bullish reversal, again, lost 81% of its value, now up 20% over the past three months. Look at PayPal, lost 78% of its value. These things are three times the S&P loss, and yet what is it doing? It's also basing and bottoming. And then finally, Netflix lost 77% of its value, again, almost 3x the loss of the S&P on the way down, and now the word developmental comes to mind, incremental. Curing, healing, nascent, bottoming out formations.
1: Wow, Carter, thank you, Carter Braxton Worth. We'll see you in a little bit on options action. Steve Grosso, which one do you like? Should I recap the stocks for you? Pinterest,
5: <laughs> no, Netflix. I got, I, <laughs> I got it. That was a great. That was a great setup. Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> I'm blushing now. Yeah. Netflix would be the one that I would go with. I think this one was the the first one that I saw basing where we got down to levels that that were way lower than pandemic. Uh, levels, so this one was way overdone. Uh, Pinterest. When you look at that name, I always look at these uh, as well for momentum. You look at three months, you look at one month, see what stocks have have uh, have the momentum. Now, what happens is the sell side actually starts to upgrade these stocks because all the other money is a lot harder to make when you're when you want to talk about an Apple, when you want to talk about a Pinterest. Down 80, up 20. The real beta chase is on these underperformers. So I agree with his premise. I'd go with Netflix.
2: Karen. I agree. Netflix as well. I, I, it's good to see Carter so bulled up like that. Yeah. In the same voice. I, I, yeah. I ran into was palpable. Palpable. I ran into him on the street the other day. That was fun, actually, seeing <laughs> Carter out and about. In the water world. Earth? Yeah. I agree. Netflix, I mean, you know, it, it, it is so far down, 80 what, a little less uh, percent. Uh, however, that's not why I like it. I like it because obviously there is a catalyst there in the change of their model, mm-hmm. or the addition of the uh, ad-supported model, and PE is very low relative to Netflix own PE over time.
4: What, the other thing he could have pointed out about those three companies is that they're all profitable, too. So if you think about all the high multiple stocks that get destroyed, and these these were destroyed also. But uh, let me just add to the Netflix story. The dynamic here is no longer about slow or no sub growth. It's about uh, ad supported and paid sharing. Uh, and I look forward to what that could mean in 23. I, I think we've gotten sentiment wise through a very difficult period. Remember, after that first downgrade and or the first bad subs number, that was, you know, six, almost six months ago. Everybody said it's going to take a few quarters. It's actually been almost a few quarters. So uh, like that story, actually own it. And PayPal, to me, is a story on valuation. This is a place where uh, I look at them relative to themselves. I know that sometimes means nothing. uh, But in this case, this is actually a company that's very profitable and I think is focused globally and doing better. All
1: right. Up next, our big chart of the week. What stock almost clocked its best week since Guy Adami was at a middle school dance bopping along to Sweet Home, Alabama. I hope God's watching. (laughs) We got the name next. And throughout Hispanic Heritage Month, we're celebrating our teammates and contributors. Here's the president of Kraft Heinz North America.
6: We are very much a passionate uh, people who care deeply and who celebrate loudly. So I think when you're with us, you get to see the world with a new tapestry of colors that you have never seen before. The reality is that we are entrenched in the fabric of America. And you may know the sounds of, you know, Bad Bunny and J-Lo, and and you may know the food of Mexico, Puerto Rico, and Brazil, and we're all that. But we're also in Congress and the Supreme Court, and we are Nobel laureates, and we are scientists. And when you talk about the story of America, many of those voices are gonna have a Spanish accent.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Break out the bell-bottoms and disco music. Let's rewind to 1974. That was the year Richard Nixon resigned after Watergate. Blazing Saddles debuted at the box office. Sanford & Son ruled the small screen. G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip hit store shelves. And inflation hit red-hot highs over 11%. It was also when ExxonMobil, shares put in their best week ever, jumping more than 17% in one five-day period that October. The oil major just missed beating that record, closing out the week with a gain of almost 16%. Close to it, it was a good excuse to play some disco music. Tim, I know you have bell-bottoms someplace. I
4: I, I I do, and I'm I'm trying to think of top songs from 74. (laughs) Hooked on a Feeling, I know, is one by Blue Suede, in case you were humming that one at home. So so if you look at where Exxon is, and I also remember the show that was not in the 70s, although maybe it feels like we've been on since the 70s, but it was in 2000 when Dow, when, when Exxon was kicked out of the Dow. Mm-hmm. And if you think about, the stock's up almost 200% from that point, and And as it is not surprising, if you look back, that was probably the time to buy it. The sentiment was so low. Um, this was a company that was basically threatening or about to cut the dividend. This was a company in a world where oil was really uh, on the skids. Now we're at a place where they're buying back debt, they're dividend is secured. Their dividend is secured at $45 oil. Uh, it's a company that's not spending at all costs in places like the Arctic Circle or in Russia, uh, and I think is focused much more on profitable businesses. So you've heard me say this all the time, and I think what we saw this week with energy stocks is that they're responding differently than they did in the first two or three waves of this rally in the underlying price of oil. And, and it, while oils maybe struggling and got through that key 50 today, uh, the 100 day and the 200 day for some of these big integrated oils is where they're going, and I think you stay there, and I think the, the waiting in energy remains way too low for this S&P.
1: And, and that gas is really helping them at this point. Remember back then, I think it was that same time period, Tim, when you said sentiment is so low, that's when they made the XTO acquisition, oh, which man, and as being overpaying, blah, blah, blah.
4: Fifty-something billion dollars for XTO. And, and
1: now look at it. Um, Courtney?
3: Yeah, and I, I really want to echo this. We've been really optimistic on energy here, and I do think you want to continue to have that exposure. This is actually my final trade on Wednesday when I was mm-hmm. here, because um, you do want to make sure that you're you're owning these, especially right now where um, energy prices are going up. But to Tim's point, their break-even is so much lower. It's only at $45, $50 a barrel, and they have come so much more efficient. So yes, I am optimistic here.
1: Time for the final trade. Steve Grosso, it
5: is the final trade time. It is time to give your final trade. <laughs> I appreciate that. Next Gen NXE, don't sleep on this stock. Bye.
1: Tim
4: Seymour. ABBA in 1974 with Waterloo, by the way. Another another great one. CSX could be hauling around a lot of ABBA CDs. Uh, I think the rails are cheap relative to themselves. Take a look at this one.
3: Courtney. Uh, Earnings coming out next week, J.P. Morgan. I I wouldn't be surprised if you said surprises with the positive.
1: Karen Feinerman. Uga Chaka there, Tim. My only long that
2: was up today, Cano Health.
1: All right. thanks. does it for us here on a Fast Money. We'll see you Monday at 5 for more Fast. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Options Action is up next.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals.